Hello everyone and welcome back guys to a brand new video where today Jamie and I are back once more with the Unnamed Motorsport Podcast episode 21 of the series today and we're back with a bit of a different one. Now obviously no Grand Prix last weekend, we've got through the triple header of the Dutch, Belgium and well it was really only a double header in the end wasn't it uh, when you think about it but of course yeah the Dutch and the Italian Grand Prix but today we're going to be talking about something yeah a little bit different. Recently the new Schumacher documentary did a release on Netflix. So Jamie and I have sat down, both watched it individually, and today we're sort of going to talk through our thoughts and feelings of it. Whether, you know, if you haven't got Netflix, whether it's worth picking up like a one-month free trial or whether it's worth having a look at down the line as well. Now, Jamie, before we jump into that, how on earth are you doing this week, mate? I'm all right, yeah. I'm feeling a bit tired. But, yeah. And one of my uni mates is currently living on my floor because he's not got a house. So that's fun. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, that's just nice. student life for you. But yeah, I'm great. The documentary was good. Good, good. Yeah. Yes, I'll, well, this is what I was going to start with, Ben. First of all, 1 to 10, what would you rate the Schumacher movie? I'd go 7, I think. Fair enough. I was going to also go 7, some, so that's really Some things I, I wish they had done a bit better, but overall it was a good experience. Yes, so. yeah. Yes, so let's, let's dive into this then, obviously talking about the entire movie. Um... For those of you that don't know, obviously, what the sort of Schumacher... Well, yeah, for what, I was about to say, for those of you who don't know who Schumacher <laughs> what is, but let's be fair, if there's someone watching this podcast, yeah, how on earth would you have made it this far uh, without knowing who Michael Schumacher was? But of course, yeah, this was meant to be a documentary sort of focusing on Michael Schumacher's life, you know, sort of not only within Formula One, but sort of around Formula One, you know, about his family, everything like this as well. And it certainly gave an interesting insight, didn't it, to his career up until 2000. Yeah, and then it happened all in like 20 minutes at the end. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was very, very oddly paced. I think it can be safe to be described. Would you, would you agree with that? Yeah, definitely. Like, the time up to 2000 when he won his first title Ferrari was almost like too stretched out, I thought. Maybe it was about right if you're going to do it the whole way through. And then the actual key part of his career, in my opinion, where like he was dominating 4-1 year on year... They rush yeah. through it so quick, and then it's like, oh, he's retired. Okay. <laughs> like, yeah, uh, it was. It was very. I think what they really need, to be honest, is a Schumacher two, wasn't it? <laughs> Even if they just sort of announced it as being two parts. The mixed documentary in like twenty years. Well, there's probably going to be that down the line as well, though. But yeah, I, I can't help but feel like it needed another one with yeah. it. Like just that the way. Maybe it's like one of, up to two thousand. You get to two thousand from there on. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> obviously, talking about everything that obviously happened after 2000 yeah. and everything like that. Because, yeah, like you quite rightly said, all the record-breaking, the absolute domination of 02 and 04, nothing at all mentioned. Yeah. Literally nothing, I don't think. There were a couple of yeah. clips, but that was about it. Then, like, literally, like, but, five minutes after winning yeah. the 02 title, it showed, like, on boards of him in 2006. Like, where did that time go? <laughs> like, the key part of his career. I yeah. don't know. I felt a little bit short-changed. But then, like two to be fair, from, like, a dramatic point of view you can't big up him just winning titles six yeah, races early so. but it's a documentary yeah, it's it's not designed i don't think this is the problem isn't it i think it was almost like they'd sort of seen the success of drive to survive and just thought well if we do that with everything in formula one it's going to be great but then again drive to survive yeah. isn't exactly designed for us either is it to a certain degree no but no, not yeah, I mean, let's sort of let's start a talk from the start of the movie. Of course, I never realised early on just how 
little money the Schumachers had. I mean, let's be fair, 1970s and 80s Germany was not the most prosperous place in the world. The, the West not better than the East. No. I think we can all argue <laughs> that. But I didn't realise, obviously, first of all, sort of like how much involvement his parents had directly on his Formula One, uh, obviously his karting career early on. Yeah, and stuff like racing under the Luxembourg flag because you didn't have to pay to enter and stuff like that. It's like, yeah, it probably wasn't a big fee to enter, but like just those cost cutting measures and like using used tires that, from other people that discarded them, stuff like that. Like you never hear stories like that anymore because to get into F1, you've got to be so rich. So I found that yeah. really cool. I mean, and also yeah, when you, racing hacker in when, 1983, was it? <laughs> yes. Yeah. And that's, well, it wasn't quite that early. I don't think it was 80. Yeah, no, it might have been about 83, actually. Yeah, I think it's 80, yeah. And to be honest, yeah, I sort of drew a lot of parallels there between Schumacher and Hamilton, to be honest, personally. Yeah, because Hamilton's dad had to work, like, three jobs in the end stuff, like, work through the nights and stuff. Yeah. So. Yeah, yeah. There would seem to be, yeah, natural that, talent, for me anyway. Like yeah, exactly. And obviously, that's sort of, unlike a lot of drivers that sort of obviously get paid through their career and everything like that, that they make to Formula One. For drivers like Hamilton and Schumacher, it was that absolute desire to be the best. Because if you weren't, you weren't going to get any offers. Obviously, I can't remember. Obviously, one of the sponsors wasn't it was saying how they brought Schumacher in um, for I think it was was it DTM or something along those lines. They wanted him to race in one of the German championships, and they said we'll give him a five-year contract. Obviously, part. two years in, he'd made it to Formula <laughs> One. Obviously, they were saying like they pay him what was it two thousand mm. francs a month as well and obviously just the Schumacher's just never oh, thought that would be marks, possible yeah. for him which is like yeah. nothing Mark's not Frank's that's I mean, awful it's not very much Cause... yeah Frank's is the French yeah. one no, <laughs> the fact I got them muddled up yeah which is worrying because then I used to be a Forex <laughs> <laughs> yeah <laughs> but yeah it just obviously and I mean like you mentioned obviously the discussions between sort of him and Mika Hakkinen obviously back in the early 80s because I mean Mika was in my opinion the one guy that really pushed Schumacher to the absolute limit yeah they were they went toe to toe and th- like they were equal to each other pretty much yeah yeah and I think obviously it was completely fair that they both got a few titles to, whilst each other were racing weren't they it was always mm. just a shame when Mika decided to leave at the yeah. end of 2001 but yeah obviously Mika had been talking about you know sort of following back. What's that? He's on his way back for sabbatical. Only on sabbatical, yeah. <laughs> he, he's still only on his sabbatical, yeah, bless him. Mika Hakkinen is just an all-round legend, any of the sport. <laughs> but, yeah, I mean, obviously, we saw that discussion early on about sort of Mika talking, like, when they did use to cart against each other, that you were saying going through the final chicane, wasn't it, on one of these completely, almost to make it look absolutely destroyed go-kart tracks, wasn't it? Mm. And just saying Schumacher would take so much confidence in such an odd line, but because he was confident the car could do it, obviously he'd just make it through every time. Yeah, and like the, the rate of zero mistakes, even from karting, was like so difficult to do, to be just that consistent. Pure consistency, yeah. Mm. Yeah, it was certainly very, very interesting early on, of course. Now, I think for us... Obviously, more importantly, was that move towards Formula One, wasn't it? I think, obviously, that is what a lot of people sort of remember uh, from Michael Schumacher. Now, obviously, before that, and I think a lot of people forget this when you talk about his move to Mercedes in 2010. Again, another similarity between Schumacher and Hamilton, wasn't it? Mm. 
of the fact that both of them were Mercedes-backed. It's how both of them managed to make it to Formula 1. Mm. Which is quite... Because... Like, ironic, always. I don't know. Like, I, Schumacher being Mercedes-backed obviously makes sense because he's German, but, like, he never got a shot in Formula... It was a DTM Mercedes, so, like, obviously they didn't have a team back then. Well, it was... And so. also the Le Mans with Sauber, the Mercedes-Sauber yeah. C1. He was meant to be driving that. C9, sorry, even, I should say. Yeah. But then Obviously the shot at F1 80s. came because Bertrand Gasho got locked up for being <laughs> assaulting someone in a pub. So <laughs> that's a. It was a taxi. Was it a taxi? Yeah. yeah, sorry. Taxi driver, wasn't it? Like one of the weirder yeah. F1 debut stories. But remember, who paid Mercedes? Uh, sorry, who paid Jordan the 150,000 euro francs marks? <laughs> I can't remember. It might have been. It might have been dollars actually, even in the end. Uh, um, who was yeah, it? Yeah, do, do you remember who paid? It was Mercedes. Oh, was it? That's cool. Because I guess they had they a seat available. They paid for that first drive in Formula it, yeah. 1. Exactly. They they bought uh, Michael Sch- Mick Schumacher. Oh, God. <laughs> they bought Michael Schumacher that seat in Formula 1. And I think that was, again, just their absolute belief that... I mean, they really have brought two drivers that may have... Two, the two, arguably two of the greatest drivers ever to Formula 1 that wouldn't have made it otherwise mm, which people like to hate on Mercedes but give them some respect for now and then exactly I think a lot of people look at Mercedes dominating the last few years of Formula 1 but really when you scratch below the surface it's not a surprise at all is no. it like even Braun before Red Bull they... were Mercedes so they won before yeah. like it's not that rare really especially when before no. Braun it was just like McLaren but I mean, I mean so... as well I just mean sort of talking about, yeah, like the DNA sort of yeah. behind Mercedes. They have always, for whatever reason, whether there's something behind the scenes that we may never know about that gives them the edge, but they just seem to know Formula One. Yeah. Don't they've they? got very Even when people. they're not competing as a team, they just know Formula One. It's really, really odd when you sort of look at all the similarities and parallels over the years. But obviously, Schumacher then made it to F1. One of the things that really stuck with me, obviously, when they were talking about his first weekend with Jordan, he was 23. Yeah, which is, like, mid-range now for a driver making a debut. Like, Verstappen's 23. 23 now. Like, Mick Schumacher's 21, I believe. I think he's the youngest on the grid. 20, Lando 22. and Stroll are both No, he's 22. not the youngest. Oh, Sonoda's youngest, of course. Sonoda's the youngest, yeah. Lando's only 21 yeah. still. It's like, 23 was... I mean, Hamilton debuted at 23, so it's... It's still young at that time, but nowadays we're yeah. at such a different level. When, But the yeah. difference as well, wasn't it, I think, was obviously everyone back then, and it sort of made me realise, because I had to have a quick look afterwards, just how old the average age of the grid was yeah, back was then like as late well. late 20s. Because, <laughs> I mean, obviously, 1991, you still had your Ayrton Senna's, who was one of the younger drivers anyway, but he made it to Formula 1 at age 24, um, obviously, Prost was still yeah, Prost right. Yeah, no, Prost did ninety one, yeah. didn't he? You still had Mansell racing. Uh, Damon Hill was he still gone? Damon was Damon Hill in Formula One in ninety one. I mean, he won. He won in, had he made it to? I don't know, yet? but he, he debuted at thirty. Damon Hill, which is really weird. Yeah, which is really old. Yeah, um, but yeah, just sort of that whole discussion. They were saying like he was he was clean shaven. Yeah, he probably didn't need. Like, just everything about, just obviously the way sort of Schumacher came in, 
and just immediately felt at one with that car, wasn't it? It was like he was meant to yeah, be there. Yeah, and like immediately, was it seventh on the grid in his first race? In like seventh on the grid, to the low first back race. end Jordan, where his teammate was nowhere. Like, is I think he was one point one quicker than his teammate. I want Imagine to say. that on the debut. I mean, even like Charles Leclerc yeah. had a very average teammate in his debut race, and still Ericsson qualified him. So, yeah, like it just wouldn't happen now. It's. It was it just yeah looking back at it obviously and again the movie hypes up everything yeah. don't they but it was the perfect storm it was a shame to be honest that and again I think this sort of gets forgotten about a bit as well doesn't it he actually burnt out the clutch was it his fault the clutch just I thought didn't it was he, mechanical he burnt it out yeah I mean they were very very yeah. difficult to use back in the day but you yeah, know I think apparently yeah he did burn out he burnt out the clutch actually on the formation that getting away so obviously it was basically yeah. just a ticking and he time retired that like up at Rouge pretty much wasn't it so. Yeah, you made up two places <laughs> off the start, and you yeah, basically made three corners. And then obviously you had all the drama around that wasn't again really mentioned in the movie too much. Was all the drama sort of around whether he was meant to be staying at Jordan or the Benetton contract, wasn't mm. it? So it looked like Benetton just offered him a better deal. Benetton were the fourth fastest team at the time. They said so. Yes, yeah. He'd be a mug. Benetton were the fourth fastest team. <laughs> but the thing was, no, he'd already signed a contract with Jordan. Or well, for the rest of the season. There was one. There was one key thing in that contract that a lot of people forget about. No, it, it said a driver, not the driver. What do you mean? And that was so in Michael Schumacher's contract with Jordan, it spoke about how they'd pay for a driver for the rest of the year. Oh. It didn't specify the driver. And that's how Schumacher managed to move that's to Benetton for that. the rest of the year. Like, <laughs> who was it that went the other way again? I'm trying to remember. No clue. I've no no idea. Was it Nin- no? It wasn't Nanini, but it was someone like that, wasn't it? Let me <laughs> let me quickly Google it. I'll just nineteen ninety four. I mean, anything before like mid two thousands, I'm clueless on. So <laughs> yeah, it was um, Moreno. Sorry, I think still none the wiser, unfortunately. Roberto Moreno. Do you not remember Roberto not Moreno? Really, no. R- Moreno. He was the one that then went to Andrea Moda for 1992. Oh, uh, yeah, that, that gets me on it now. I know who he is. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And even then, he only did two races. Fair. And then it was Zanardi for the last couple. Yeah, because Moreno went the other way, because he had that one year in Benetton that was actually a decent car, and then went back to just absolute... back endness <laughs> Just disasters, yeah. Like, literally pre-qualifying yeah. cars for the rest of his career. But obviously then we sort of get in towards like 1990, 1993, 1994. Obviously Schumacher won 1993. No, he didn't. Uh, obviously he won the Belgian Grand Prix in 92. <laughs> no, he won 94 and yeah. 95, didn't he? Sorry. Yeah, no, because it was, it was Williams 92, 93. It's very complicated when, it was, when you yeah. weren't around for it, wasn't it? <clears> but obviously... Yeah, 1992 obviously was absolute Williams domination most of that year. Obviously, uh, Schumacher won that one race at Belgium. I think Senna won Monaco, and then Williams won like Mansell every won other race that so year. Like Mansa won, yeah, because he, he was up against Patrese, yeah. wasn't he? Who was just mediocre at best. Um, so obviously Schumacher, yeah, picked up his first win just a year after he made it into Formula One, which was absolutely insane. Obviously, 93 was the return of Alain Prost, obviously. Uh, title. Senna in the MP4-8. No, yeah, Prost, Prost won the title. Yeah. Sorry, yeah, yeah. Um, then we move, obviously, to 1994. Now, obviously, 1994 is mainly remembered for two things, isn't it, really? Yeah. 
Bennett and traction control and Imola. Yeah. And when I was back. amazed how much they showed of the Imola crash. Like I think I've watched Senna's documentary before, but a long time ago. I can't remember if that was more yeah. or less like if it like showed you everything because this the Schumacher documentary like it basically showed the marshals pulling him out the car when he's like very severely injured there was um in the move in like the mainstream version of Senna it's pretty much not obviously yeah. too much of that sort of thing you don't see any of that I think apparently in like the four hour version which I must admit I, I haven't seen, seen apparently it obviously does show you a lot more of it as well but it was really it was really interesting to see like obviously they were big they were title rivals up until that point and obviously it's a human life so you're going to be devastated but the way it affected or seemed to affect Schumacher when they showed the interview of him yeah. afterwards with like literally PTSD insomnia and just yeah. thinking the worst was going to happen all the time well because that was the, the thing though wasn't it obviously safe. nowadays unlike built unlike <laughs> anyone else he he watched yeah. that happen like right in front of mm. him and like the impact i mean it's all a bit of a conspiracy in it but like the impact did it kill him there and then or was he actually in a coma we don't ever know i don't think but like if he died there and then then Schumacher literally watched him die in his eyes in front of him which I d- it didn't kill him if Im- from what sid watkins said obviously it didn't kill him immediately but I'm pretty certain he died on the way to hospital. Was sort of it, like it depends how you uh, count. It obviously, define yeah. death, doesn't it? Really, we're getting very <laughs> spiritual with this. But I know it's like Sid Watkins said, didn't he? He was there. Like I remember just obviously being next to him, and like Senna just let out a sigh, and Sid was like, "That was the moment I knew he wow. was dead." Well, yeah, that part of the movie was really, really interesting. Like. I'm I'm yeah. amazed. They I'd, on I'd the argue race. that was the most yeah. interesting bit. Like nowadays, yeah. they would well, not it was carry on because Formula <laughs> One then was. Oh no, no, of course not. No. I mean, yeah, you look at obviously. Well, that was the thing, wasn't it? It was all about Italian law as to why they continued that race because obviously, if Senna had been declared dead at the track, that's why even like Ratzenberger, they for example, still, even was dead, wasn't. Yeah. I mean, Ratzenberger was dead before that car had yeah, come to a stop. You can see it on the videos, like he's actually dead in the cockpit, for sure. Yeah. Um, obviously they didn't announce it at the track at the end I mean obviously he hit a concrete wall at 190 yeah. miles an hour didn't he he was immediately obviously I, I can't remember it was like a um, I can never remember the name of the type of skull fracture he got but was a... I think it was the same one Dale Earnhardt managed to pick in, uh, get in NASCAR Dale Earnhardt no Senior idea, unfortunately <laughs> yeah but obviously they didn't announce Ratzenberg had died at the track either so obviously they could keep the weekend going which obviously nowadays in Formula 1 is a very very different thing but I think at that point obviously they'd gone so many years without a death happening I think it was the, the early 80s not the last time someone had died yeah I mean you look at some of the other crashes wasn't like Donnelly for example Martin Donnelly back mm. in the late 80s where he was literally like the car ripped in two yeah. and everything like that obviously but how big an effect it had on Schumacher afterwards was yeah like i said i think for me the most interesting part of the movie because i think they said he went was it silverstone yeah, when he was doing the track walk he said they went soon like and he was just obviously going around the track going yeah. i could die there i could die there i could die there it's crazy isn't it when you just think and he for me as well it, it makes you think obviously back to like hubert's crash a couple of yeah. years ago you, you think how it affects drivers now because f1 is generally a pretty safe spot and i know we discussed this last week didn't we obviously after the crash yeah. at Monza but it will never 
be it should never not be in anyone's mind in the nicest way possible there is still that inherent risk there and that's part of why, that's why it says it's an addictive sport the tickets. it says on the back of every single f1 ticket like yeah exactly it's what you sign up for and the drivers know that but nowadays i mean back then as well they had no fear that's why yeah. they're paid millions <laughs> of pounds but people that say formula one isn't a sport there's that's not why they're paid millions of pounds a year of serious injury or death so <laughs> yeah yeah I don't know. That was definitely it's for me the best crazy. part of the film. I thought, nineteen ninety four, and then it was the most even interesting more interesting actually. The, the, the onboards of the end of the season, Adelaide. Um, I've always been of the opinion that Schumacher knew what he was doing and sort of did it deliberately to take Hill out to win the title, which it's yes, still yeah. easily arguable arguable that he did that. But seeing the onboards of Hill and Schumacher at the same time, that corner is so shallow, and like obviously it's a mistake for Schumacher going to the wall. Hill's got a chance to go through, but. It was still a send, and it was still Hill was partially alongside, but Schumacher doesn't know he's there because he's just panicking, trying to clean, clean the tires, and just turns into the corner like he normally would. And Hill was on the inside, so I can see why they let him get away with it because it looks less deliberate than I remember it looking. So, yeah, yes. that was quite interesting yeah. as well. We we actually discussed this briefly before the podcast, yeah. well, didn't we? And we were both sort of in that same mindset of when you watch it from Damon Hill's point of view. Like obviously radio technology and everything like that wasn't the same then but he's just seen Schumacher coming back onto the track whether he just didn't believe Schumacher had any damage or anything like that but had he known obviously Schumacher was damaged no yeah, way would he have behind. gone for that move yeah. you think or you'd hope he wouldn't yeah because he would have got him immediately afterwards yeah and it, it was a complete but, dive bomb into a no breaking zone corner really so I yeah. I'm happy. I mean, I like Schumacher, so I'm glad he won the title that year, <laughs> basically. And I feel less bad about him winning the title because it wasn't all on him making a mistake. Yeah. I think, yes, some of the blame can be apportioned to yeah. Damon Hill at that moment. It's safe to say as well there. But, yeah, obviously, again, they didn't really sort of touch upon sort of the way like Williams came back that year, of course, because obviously the first three Grand Prix of the year obviously Schumacher absolutely dominated and that was why they obviously sort of always said Senna knew Imola was a yeah. must win for him to get back in the title fight because that Benetton was so much faster early on that year that obviously Senna was driving that Williams beyond the limit to get to be that they were Senna basically masked how bad that early season Williams was because he was getting everything out of it yeah. throughout the entirety Even of the year get two DNFs but yeah there was crashing Imola so he wasn't getting the results. Yes, yeah, he was on nil. He was still yeah. on zero points. Yeah, but yeah. So the, we sort of obviously just jumped straight to Adelaide. Obviously, hmm. nineteen ninety five was a bit more of a textbook championship winning year, yeah, wasn't really it? If I remember correctly, it, it was a much more straightforward, no real challenge. And then the move to Ferrari, which yeah, I think it was. It was much more. Yeah, the move to Ferrari, and obviously just talking about because there was always the thing, wasn't there that. There were talks about McLaren, obviously Mercedes coming back with McLaren. That would have been the log- logical place for Schumacher to go, wasn't it? Yeah. They always said. And, like, I think it was the but, conversations you have with Lauda where it's like, it's one thing to win with any team, but to win with Ferrari in that yeah. state they were in, having not won a title since 79, that defines yeah. you differently if you're able to do that. So. And, like they said, I can't remember who it was said to him, they went, you win a you win a, a, t- a championship with a team obviously you're known within Formula 1 you win a world title for Ferrari you won't need yeah. a passport <laughs> yeah. everyone will know your name and I think that just goes to show for Schumacher what was the next like the step dream. and to be fair to him it paid off 
So, because it it wasn't obviously like you see sort of see because I think this is what almost has created this culture since then for a Ferrari, wasn't it? Where you've got drivers that look up to the way Schumacher was able to dominate mm. with them and want to replicate that. There wasn't anything like that for Schumacher prior to Formula One, no, was there? Not at all. Particularly, or not that was touched upon in the movie. It wasn't like he he like dreamed of driving for Ferrari from when he was young or anything like yeah. that. He, like we said, he was a Mercedes man for many yeah. years. And Ferrari, I think the last title was Joe Schechter in '79, so Schumacher would have been ten, 10 years old when yeah. Schechter won that. So it's not like he had yes. idolizations yeah. of Ferrari dominating like some of us do now. Like no. He watched a couple yeah. of near misses for them. I guess he might have seen him at the end of the think... at the Ferrari, but that's it really. Yeah, I mean, obviously you had like Prost eighteen, uh, sorry Prost ninety, yeah ninety. Obviously just missing out on the title. Obviously just before he came into Formula One eighty seven. You're you're as on your own. Well. Now. <laughs> I want to. Was Mansell? Was he McLaren or Ferrari? When he the puncture, got the puncture. was. Late on in the year. I think that, that's Ferrari, that I think. Was that Ferrari? I'm pretty and certain then... it was Ferrari. Yeah, no, because Mansell never really drove for McLaren, no. did he? Apart from when he, when was, he was too, too big fat, for the yeah. car. Well, he wasn't was too he? fat. It was I thought shoulders. it was too big. Like, I always thought it was his <laughs> waist. Know, he, was, he, was, he was too... He was too... His shoulders were too uh. broad. <laughs> you just thought... You thought he'd been in Carton just been yeah, eating too many I McDonald's before he came old back. British man. Like, what else was he going to be? <laughs> wasn't that old i mean he had the mustache of a 70 year old but he wasn't that old was he but obviously yeah then you get sort of this big big hype up of schumacher trying to win his first title with ferrari wasn't it It was a lot of the movie obviously 96 um was of course damon hill wrapping up the world title schumacher again that ferrari was never really a championship contender throughout a lot of the year wasn't it schumacher could drag results out of it but obviously that year was not really much of a shot. Like they said, obviously, because him and uh, Berger, didn't they? They both went to Ferrari from Benetton yeah. in 95. It was both Ferrari drivers and both Benetton drivers swapped over, wasn't it? Yeah. So, like, that Ferrari in 96 wasn't anywhere near a title. It was so, a disaster. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then 97 was the um, big one when uh, yep, he tried 90- to take out Villeneuve and failed. So. <laughs> yep. Which we said about Damon Hill's could have been sort of 50 50 that one was all on schumacher <laughs> yeah. you you watch him see villeneuve down the inside turn, turn out of it and yeah. then turn back in even you more aggressively it, my friend uh, which was obviously crazy yep and Ends up getting... do we think it was right for him to get disqualified for i mean it wouldn't happen now like it was very very harsh would it not in that circumstance i don't believe so maldonado drove into Perez remember there's no money once you yeah, remember there's no money tied into Drivers' championship, so it wouldn't actually make any difference. I suppose they disqualified McLaren, the cons- didn't they? But that was for the cheating. constructors still score the points, didn't they? Yeah, that was yeah. very different. But I don't know. I don't think they. Just, if someone did that now, they wouldn't disqualify them from the championship. Maybe a couple of races, like ban them for a few races. But the FIA were very impulsive back then. So, well, I mean, was it nineteen ninety four? Wasn't it? Was four of the five driver bans of all time? Really? <laughs> yeah, the only other one was Grosjean. That's, That's very good. But um, yeah, yeah. I, I quite um, I found it interesting actually the the off season between ninety seven ninety eight when they showed the family holiday to Norway and stuff. Like Schumacher actually yes, had yeah, big self doubt. Like, am I good enough for F one? Because he's been at Ferrari three years. Yeah, not seen a title yet. Two. Only two years, sorry. Was it? Yeah, only two years. Yeah, yeah. Um, but like 
the self-doubt he had after like because he genuinely didn't think he did anything wrong in it like that's not just him no yeah. which was mad I don't know it? how he managed that but that because that's what makes yeah. a great Formula 1 driver great you stand by your decisions but it's not only to buy it because sometimes yes. you can be stubborn and know that you're doing it wrong Schumacher just believed he was right having watched back evidence perhaps that's still what he believed yeah. to this day I don't get it at all but fair play he's, he's the greatest or one of the greatest of all time so yeah I probably can't criticise that much no no and I think yeah that was absolutely insane yeah. wasn't it obviously talking about that just how he was so adamant he was right like Ross Braun said didn't he he showed yeah. him the footage she was like yeah no I've, I've done nothing wrong there and just that absolute mentality that focus you can't be wrong on yeah is insane well again because obviously we'll talk about that in a second moment as well obviously talking about 1998 mm. obviously the first the first battle with Mika Hakkinen obviously like we said they raced each other in go-karts a fair bit but obviously the McLaren MP413 was no was no the MP4 can't, can't was it help. a 13 no in 98 <laughs> I think it was the MP413 in 2008 no, sorry, in 98 even, was an absolute rocket ship, yeah. wasn't it? Yeah, no, it must have been the MP413, because 2008 was the MP423. Well. Uh, that's where I'm getting me muddled up from. Uh, but obviously, yeah, that thing was an absolute rocket ship. And obviously, they get to Belgium. They cut out completely the massive crack, Hakenen. which I found a bit annoying, so I wanted to watch it again. That was 99, No, 98 for sure. That was the restart, yeah. Was that 98 as well? Yeah, it was the second re? No, because they only sh- did they only show they the only second showed the restart, restart where Hakkinen retired on his own, which was the, which second, was the second one, second wasn't one. it? Because the first one Hakkinen led, didn't he? Yeah, yeah. Because I even said beforehand, I obviously when like when they started showing like the shots. Yeah, I was saying to people I was watching. With. I was like, oh yeah, yeah. this is the big one. <laughs> like, I watched this yeah. as a funny. and it just never and appeared. It was, it was the wrong. Cr- it was yeah. the wrong start completely. But I mean, the the, the yeah. big crash wasn't that relevant, so I can see why they left it out. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But obviously, you get that. Obviously, Hakkinen gets taken out. I think it was was it John Herbert it was, took him out of the start? No, I'm going to say something stupid. Let's, I was going to say it was Nick Heidfeld, but he wasn't around in '98, was he? And Nick Heidfeld wasn't in Formula One in '98. <laughs> I mean, Nick Heidfeld only came in. It like, was definitely oh, a Sauber. I know that. <laughs> I'm pretty certain it was Herbert, wasn't it? Uh, who drove the Salvers? Alacy and Herbert. So yeah, you're probably right. Not Nick Heidfeld. Yeah, it, was, it was Herbert. <laughs> I was going to say because Herbert won a race. Herbert won the European yeah, he did. Grand Prix. 99. Was that for Stuart, 99, though, not... yeah, for Sauber. Oh, was I it Stuart? Stuart? Yeah, wasn't yeah. it? Of course. Um, but obviously, yeah, so Hacken is out of the Grand Prix. Schumacher has got a golden opportunity to take 10 points out of him. Well, what up to that point was probably his best track in Formula 1, wasn't yeah, it? First obviously, win. first race, first win. A lot of happy memories there. Then he goes into the back of DC. Now, where do we sit on this one? <laughs> I think it's, it's quite similar, actually, to the... Verstappen Ocon crash from Brazil. So I would apportion. Is it? I mean, you 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 remember the Ocon Verstappen crash wrong? No. <laughs> I think it was more so Coulthard's fault, but there is things that Schumacher yeah. could have done to avoid it, like not crashing. Yes. Him. <laughs> yes. Yeah. But it's very yeah, difficult isn't it, in that spray, situation like because him, but Coulthard should have pulled off to the racing yeah. line because that's what he did to Blue Flags. So, I mean. Not generally so much in the wet, I though, suppose. is it? Like you saw Hamilton, Russell. In, That's what they always say, obviously, because he was trying to reduce the spray. But yeah, it was it was but, more Coulthard's fault. Obviously, he's getting lapped, so you kind of are obliged to get out of the way. But Schumacher yes, yeah. could have not driven into him. 
Exactly. Yeah, very, very difficult, isn't it? And I think, obviously, again, then we really sort of sue as tempers yeah. flare. Because, like, at DC was saying, obviously, like, before that, they used to, like, meet up in Sing the off-season and things like that. They parties, parties yeah. together. <laughs> exactly, yeah. Which, again, was, like, another sort of weird aspect of Michael Schumacher. Yeah. He had sort of, like, all these different dimensions to him, wasn't it, as well there. But, you know, because, obviously, the crash itself was obviously pretty bad obviously we then see the like the aftermath him storming the yeah. iconic shots of him storming down the pit lane where he's obviously absolutely livid but obviously dc then said to him a few days later didn't he, he said he met up yeah. with him before the next grand prix and when i didn't <laughs> do you ever you've got to admit like some of it was your fault he's like, like no i don't think so and you just went no <laughs> no and david went well you've got to admit sometimes you make mistakes Not that i can remember and that was ridiculous I think it, <laughs> so it sums up Schumacher it's, in a nutshell, it's quite exciting because it? it's sort of, the sort of thing the, Max would say the fact he thinks about it as well yeah literally but unlike Max I think Schumacher's got the charisma to handle it yeah a bit in the same way you won't understand the reference but as in uh, Joey Logano in NASCAR tries to be like the new Dale Earnhardt but just doesn't have the same sort of mentality yeah that goes straight off my head sorry <laughs> it goes straight <laughs> over your head yeah he, he's just a dick in NASCAR fair well no they're American Max. so not surprising <laughs> yes, they they are American team. Yes, You're right. I don't ask her. But you know, you know the ovals. Yep. Good, good. Um, but yeah. So then, of course, we get to '99. Obviously, Schumacher has his big, big accident at Silverstone as well. There. Um, then, obviously, we get to the year 2000. A lot of it is obviously the hype up. There's no real sort of talk about him returning from a broken leg in the same and season, getting a pole by a second, which ought to have been mentioned. His first race back, like yep. I thought that was the most incredible yep. thing he ever did, or one of them. Because '99 was the year. Yeah, he, he would have won, won a title like that. I mean, Eddie Irvine like, almost. It says won it. everything that Irvine was in the <laughs> title. Irvine was so yeah. trash. It says everything. <laughs> like how Irvine got the gig there as well, and what's he doing? With I know he looks like nowadays. such a midlife crisis. <laughs> He looks. Why is he done the Jacques Villeneuve? Yeah. That's what I don't get. It just the best thing ever did was throw it. water. But yeah, ninety nine was like. So that's it all, really. Yes. Yeah. Like ninety nine was definitely the one that got yeah. away for Schumacher. But the fact he came back and I th- would he have won that? Yeah, he gave it to free? Irvine for team orders. Yeah. yeah, he gave it to Irvine for team orders. Yeah. Um, but then obviously we sort of get back into two thousand. Of course, all the hype up for the Japanese Grand Prix which like we said before the video was very oddly hyped up in the sense of they made it out obviously because we'd watched sort of 98 last race decider 97 last race decider 94 last race decider this was meant well, to be the year it's interesting because I until about half Suzuka. an hour ago I thought Suzuka was the last race and he had to beat Hakkinen there and then yeah we and both then did. it turns out there's a race in yeah. Malaysia which was one race later, the last race of the season. Which, so he ended up winning the title by 19 points, and it was just to win it in Suzuka. He had to do that. So yeah. And even if he hadn't beat Hakkinen, he still would have he would have walked into Malaysia with a what, yeah. nine, Not ten eight or point nine, advantage yeah. anyway. So basically, you just needed to finish. Yeah, it was really, really weirdly. But then all the, up, wasn't not it? even the only documentary. Like F1 generally hypes up that race hugely, which. To say it's a bit like Brazil 2009, where it's the moment it happens, but if it goes the one yeah. way longer, you're still going to win. The I can't. So. <laughs> well, I can't remember whether it was 99 or 2000 as well that had arguably one of the best qualifying head-to-heads of all time between Schumacher and, and Frenson, wasn't it? Where 
No, that was 97. Oh, You're thinking yeah, of Harath, aren't you? Which one are you about? Yeah, where they tied. I'm on a bait. It's, again, I think it's a weirdly unknown. Schumacher and Hakkinen, again, I can't remember if it was 99 or 2000. I want to believe it was 2000. They traded fast, because obviously back then qualifying was an hour long. Yeah. You could do 12 laps. So obviously you had an out lap, a flying lap, an in lap. So obviously you do that four times over the course of the hour. I think Schumacher and Hakkinen traded times, I think between them, seven times over the course of that session. Nice. Of going fastest. <laughs> And they were just pulling away from the like, all the other cars behind. <laughs> I think. Let me let me get out the qualifying results quickly. Um, we love some mid podcast research. Exactly, it's always always the way with these. Uh, so yeah, qualifying. So yeah, it was a uh, two thousand then. So Hakkinen was nine thousand slower than Schumacher That's at the insane. end of qualifying. <laughs> And it was only their teammates within eight tenths of yeah. a second. That's ridiculous. We then had the two Williams eight and nine tenths back, and then Eddie Irvine, the goat oh, yeah. himself, in wow. seventh. What a driver! <laughs> what what a what a lad! But oh, and then also, sorry, before we forget, uh, Gaston Mazzucani oh, down great. in P twenty two, four point six seconds off the pace. <laughs> but yeah, obviously, so we sort of get like. The 2000, he wins the world title, and last glory back to Ferrari. That was it, really. <laughs> and then we just, it was it, wasn't yeah. it? We just cut to 2006, him announcing his retirement. 2010, he comes back with Mercedes. Gets pole in Monaco. And genuinely, 2013, he has his skiing Yeah, literally, that was pretty much it. Like the final 10 minutes just felt so rushed. I really liked the ending, actually. Like how they talked to family about it. Obviously, it's really hard for them to talk about it. But yeah, the time from yes, 2000 yeah. to 2013 was so rushed <laughs> like as yeah. yeah it was like they suddenly realised we've got to do 13 more years yeah. we've got 5 minutes left of footage we've only been licensed for a 2 hour documentary like, yeah and this is I think what we said at the start wasn't it there desperately needs to sh- a Schumacher movie part 2 yeah because there are so many things like what amazes me is just how much again, he rewrote every record like he equal or what yeah. was it the, the interview in 2000 before he won the title he got he equaled Senna for wins in 41 before yeah, he dominated he incredibly emotional that's before his five years of do- yeah. or do- like he's in the first of five years of domination and he's equaled the record already that's ridiculous yeah bear in mind yeah, Prost, Prost had, had like more wins. eight more wins didn't he 10 four, I think. 49 Prost had 50 oh, yeah. Senna's 41 was it 49 it, maybe, I think or was it 51 I swear is it 49 let me yeah get, carry on oh, yeah, but like stuff like that I thought I'd always thought it was 51 where that's like He's basically become statistically 51. one of the best of all time, and he's still got four more years of domination to do. Which to to yeah. rewrite the records and set the bar that high is just ridiculous. Well, again, no one thought it would no. ever get broken. And even Fangio's five Until titles, Hamilton no one came ever thought that'd get broken. And then with Schumacher yeah. seven, we never thought that'd happen. But here we are. <laughs> here we are. Yeah, fifteen fifteen yeah. years later, and we're still talking about whether it might happen on a podcast. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, that just felt like because I mean, for example, like two thousand and two wrapped up the title of the French Grand Prix. Two thousand four was at Belgium. Two thousand and four, two thousand and four was Belgium, and a lot of people forget had he not retired at He's Monaco, got a podium every I think that would have been something. Ri- no, that would have been something ridiculous. I think thirteen wins. Oh in yeah, a row. it would have been yeah. But Montoya took him out in the title. Let me like quickly find it out because <laughs> his yeah. before and after are both in like the top ten for most consecutive wins ever before Monaco and after Monaco. So if you yeah. want it, it would have shattered everything yeah. <laughs> so he got five wins before Monaco 
and then seven wins yeah, after, so it would have been thirteen. And he wins was winning in until row. Montoya took him out and took the safety car. And then and then he won one race in the last yeah, five. Obviously. <laughs> but yeah, I think that's my memories because obviously I was only born in two thousand. So my very early memories of Schumacher is that time. So I kind of hope there'll be more stuff about his domination. Yeah. But I guess. Yeah. I'll be honest, I only sort of started watching F1 in 07. So I, I, I vividly remember the Alonso Schumacher years, which were completely skipped over, which was a bit of a shame. But Yeah, exactly. And I think this would have been sort of really important to discuss, wouldn't it? Of sort of that whole elation of five titles in a row, sort of Ferrari on top of the world, and then watching it yeah, all 2005 come crashing down dreadful. again. Yeah, <laughs> would have been very interesting to see something on that. Well, they only got one win, and it even was that was fraudulent, whenever, wasn't it, yeah. really? But, yeah, I think for people that, again, that watch Drive to Survive, a really good movie, to sort of give you a bit more context to someone that is still mentioned a lot in Formula 1 now. But for die-hard Formula 1 fans, I'd still argue the Senna movie I was think better. I think was better as well, yeah. <laughs> it, was, it just went more in-depth, and you could understand deeply a lot more stuff going on. Whereas it felt like a good overview, yeah. but... I didn't come yeah. out knowing that much more than I knew already, if you get what I mean. <laughs> no, exactly. Exactly. It was yeah. a very, very... Don't get me wrong, I would highly recommend yeah, watching it. was a good it, watch. But I don't think it's... I'm not sure it's going to be one I'm going to think in three months' time, oh, I really want to watch yeah. that again. Right. <laughs> we've been going on quite a long so, time, but here we are. <laughs> we've, we've spoken a lot about the Schumacher movie today, and to balance it out, we're going to do quite possibly the most controversial <laughs> thing we've ever done on this podcast Jamie we are going to go through our top 5 greatest drivers well we're going to do top 10 we've kind of decided as a house rule 10th to 6th are going to be pretty flexible Yeah. 5th to 1st are going to be rigid <laughs> now we're not going to talk too much obviously about each that one ages. <laughs> because I mean this podcast talking, has already been going on for 45 about one minutes of them, so. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Um, I'm already looking at mine and feeling like I might have to change someone. Brilliant. <laughs> I might have to put an 11th in there. Go for there. it. <laughs> I, I know who no, my 11th no, I'm gonna, I'm gonna is, keep it as if 10. you want to put an 11th in. <laughs> Who's your 11th? Uh, Who's Big your Nige. 11th? Nigel Mansell. Big Nigel. I was going to put Hakkinen in there because I said he was on the same uh, level Hakkinen, as Schumacher yeah. and then haven't nice featured him in my top 10. <laughs> yeah. So, number 10 for me. Right. Uh, Fernando Alonso. Yep. Which? Okay, I can respect that. He's not in mine. I have gone with Hill of the Graham variety. Nice. Graham Hill, I, yeah. I don't know much about him, so I don't think that's why I put him in. Two-time Formula 1 world champion, five-time Monaco Grand Prix triple winner, crown. only ever triple yeah. crown recipient. In terms of great, like... That, for me, puts him in greatest yeah. of all time. Fair enough. He's up there, for sure. <laughs> Number yeah. nine, Mika Hakkinen, for me. Fair enough. You did yeah, make yeah. your top ten, did he? I have got Jim Clark. No, sorry, Nelson Piquet mm. is my number nine. Yeah, Piquet I felt was unlucky. I, I think he's got three titles, and you never really hear anyone say anything about him. So three world yeah. titles in an era of absolute dominance for uh, for Nelson Piquet. It was a bit unlucky the fact that he was sort of Brazil's hope for a long time, and then Senna yeah. came in. Piquet was an absolute machine, yeah. and that ran the outside, the and it was still Hungary. always <laughs> that Hungara ring. The full opposite lock, rears are completely locked out. That yeah. will always stick in my not my memory, of course, but seeing that footage. <laughs> yeah. So he's unlucky to not be in mine. 
Yeah. So Mika Hakkinen, then obviously two-time Formula One world champion, the only man that truly took yeah. it to Michael. And Schumacher the only one that Schumacher properly respected. I think they're good friends. I mean, they were before the accident, of course. Yes, outside yeah. of the car. Yeah, definitely. Eighth place. Definitely. Number I've eight gone, then. Jackie Stewart. Right. Have you forgotten Fair about enough. him as well? I had him just outside my Fair. top ten, but I can't remember why. No. No, I didn't. Sorry, I've got him at number oh, seven. Right. Well, close enough. <laughs> I just realised I put James Clarkney down <laughs> twice when the second one I was thinking of was Jackie Stewart. I mean, they're very similar. Because they're both Scottish. They black caps amount. So. I can't imagine Jim well, Clark wears a black cap on, I'm going to be honest with you. Like, possibly. <laughs> I, I... <laughs> yeah, so I had, I had Jackie Stewart at number seven, sorry. For number eight for me was Fangio. That's harsh. That's very harsh. I'm sorry. I hate to do this. Win rate in F1, and most of those non-wins. Yeah, but there DNFs. is X. There is 1950s Formula One tax in my eyes. I don't know. He was up against a lot of people that were just there because they had a lot it's of money. It's true, but he was so ahead of his time. He's like an actual driver. He was ahead of his time. Don't get me yeah. wrong. That's why he makes my top ten. But when you consider how much further a lot of Formula One drivers went over even the next 20, 30 years, I think. Fangio very quickly would have been swallowed up by better talent. Fair. I think because he was the benchmark in such a difficult time to drive an F1 car, it was like, he's a lot higher for me. Okay, I'll leave it. <laughs> but yeah, Jackie right, Stewart, okay. I Fair think enough. also the stuff right. he did outside of sport, like safety was amazing. So, safety yeah. stuff, yeah. Jackie Stewart well, again was incredible. Number six Number then, seven, Jamie. Skipped, but, <laughs> I mean, you already know yours. Um, wait, I just... Fangio was oh yeah Stuart was my number seven my Sorry, number Fangio seven was number eight wasn't uh, it? who did you put at number Alan seven Frost. <laughs> which Fair I mean enough. I don't rate Frost as highly as Senna I obviously he's got four titles some of them we can yep. question but I respect him he's sort of like a better version of Nico Rosberg in my opinion so a l- yeah like okay. he he wasn't a, a lot better. yeah a lot better obviously but he was nowhere or he didn't have the natural ability of Senna he would just win in really calculated ways. So he's a very respectable driver, and he's in my top ten. But he's overshadowed a bit by the other driver in his era. So, <laughs> yeah, I don't know if Fair you've enough. included him higher, Fair but enough. you hopefully have. I have number six then. Number six, I have put Nicky oh, Lauda. Nicky Lauda as well, isn't that nice? At number yeah. six, look at that. Eh? Fair play. Yeah, Nicky Fair was play. a legend uh, of the yeah, sport. Absolutely, and the stuff he did was incredible. And I think more recent years people have grown to appreciate Nicky Lauda more the fact that he came back beat Alain Prost in the same machinery yeah. don't forget that albeit by and half a point half a face as well awards oh, like that is no it's awful. not That's, I'm commending him he was absolute warrior <laughs> crazy I wouldn't quite word it like that to him but okay um, but yeah I mean to come back and win two Formula One titles after being re- read your yeah. last right is ridiculous. Watch Rush if you haven't. <laughs> um, yes, yeah, watch Rush definitely because we're talking about yeah. movies today. Right, let's get into the big ones then. Number five, Jamie. I've gone Jim Clark. I've also gone Jim wow. Clark. That's we're on good. The same wavelength. I think. Yep. He would have. Was on the same he was so far then. ahead of his time. He'd raced in the sixties. Absolutely dominated. Was it? The Nurburgring when he used to race on the Nordschleife, he was like two laps ahead yep. of everyone. It's like ridiculous. Yep. Uh, I don't think it was that. Oh much. yeah, two laps is like hundred kilometers. Twenty minutes. Yeah. <laughs> like, 
No, well, not well, that much. It's about yeah, 30 kilometres, 40 kilometres, yeah. But yeah, he was ridiculous. Yeah. And obviously, career massively cut short. And the fact he dominated everything yeah. that he drove as so well. He did superbikes as well. The fact he? that he'd do, like, races every weekend. Yeah. He'd do touring cars, he'd do Formula 2, he'd do everything. It was just Would have incredible. absolutely had more titles had he not had his career cut short, unfortunately. Yeah. Yes, yeah. And his driving style was incredibly smooth and conservative, yeah. which takes a lot of skill. Number four. Number four, you're going to hate me for this. I've got Ayrton Senna. <laughs> right, okay. <laughs> but I know you like him a lot. I'm, I'm going to I'm gonna balance that then with... I've got Alan Prost at oh, number wow. four. Fair enough. Again, like you said, overshadowed by Ayrton Senna. Yeah. Helped a little bit by Bless being the man in charge yeah. at the time. <laughs> Debatably three or four world titles. Four world titles. <laughs> Surely one or two of them were legit. Remember... No, I mean, the whether it should have been oh, three fair. or four. I thought sorry, you were I mean. saying all of his titles are Obviously, void. not yet. 88, <laughs> sorry. Yeah, 88 was... Questionable at best. <laughs> so Senna have been given that, yeah. Exactly. But, on the other hand, in more recent years, I've grown to appreciate... A lot of people sort of remember Senna being an absolute weapon in terms of pace. There were a lot of weekends where Prost could match yeah. him as well. People sort of remember the iconic like Monaco 88 and everything like but that. But Prost was a match for him. But on, yeah. Prost so, was a match so, for him. Fair play. Uh, I put Senna 4 because obviously he was ridiculously quick. Probably one of the most naturally gifted drivers ever. But I think yep. sometimes the consistency let him down, which is why Prost was able to pick up four titles. Like He would win at all costs. Uh, bearing in mind... Prost could one. Prost only really won one more title against Senna. I think that's what a lot of people really? forget. What were the? Well, Prost won ninety three. Obviously, in the OP yeah. Williams. There wasn't really much Senna could do against that. Uh, eighty uh, eight. Which was the questionable. Was one. obviously <laughs> the controversial one. Eighty five. I would say eighty five. Yeah. Uh, Where Senna was really five, a competitor, six, and then eighty five, six, nine, and ninety three. Yeah. Yeah, so obviously 85 and 86, Senna didn't really have a car capable of beating him either. So it was only really the one title Prost sort of took away yeah. from him. But I feel like Senna won at all costs, which is what people look up to him for, which is great. But if you yeah. look at someone like Hamilton, for instance, he sort of is a bit more calculated, which in the long run helps, because Senna has obviously yes, reliability, yeah. but he had a lot more DNFs down through the own accord than someone like Hamilton does. Yeah. Yeah, fair so, enough. Number three, then. This is where I put Fangio. Um, because right. five titles in an era when five drivers died every weekend is just insane. <laughs> like, I he yep. was so far ahead of his time, like 20-odd years. and to, Also just kept moving to the fastest team. Yeah, but if you're the best driver, the fastest team's going to employ you, like... He was insane. But teams could also field as many cars as they liked. Yeah, but if to be like but so far ahead of your time, I think that's a commendable completely. Like he was an actual professional. Yeah, I think driver. to be honest, being able to win five titles is impressive enough back then. Knowing any crash yeah. would kill you. So I I respect yeah, Fangio kind of, hugely. Kind of insane. <laughs> would you have got as many though? Had Ascari not died? Uh, Ascari won two, didn't Cause he? Because Ascari was really his match, wasn't he? Yeah. I didn't realise that he died, to be honest. He didn't die in F1, did he? I think he did, didn't he? Let's have a look. Because he had the crash at Monaco and then died a week later, didn't he? At Hockenheim. Oh, yeah, he died at Monza. 
in 1955. Yeah, sorry, down at Monza, didn't he? Yeah. A week after crashing into the Monaco Harbour. Yeah. It wasn't during a race weekend, though. It was He was driving a, an F1 car no, around tested. in a yeah. suit and tie for some reason. Yeah. I've just read on Wikipedia. So, yeah. Yeah, no, it was a test. And 55, day. Fangio had already won three by then, I think. Or four. He won, he won 51. Yes. No, not by 55. He won 51, 54. Yeah, yeah. And 55. Yeah, so he's on his way to his third by then. So I think, yeah, probably. <laughs> yeah. Probably. Fair so, enough. Yeah. Who's your number Fair three? Enough. I have gone. You're going to say Schumacher. I know you are. <laughs> I'm going to say Schumacher. Fair play. I know you rate Senna highly. So it's all opinion at the end of the yeah. day. So what's how are you going to justify it? Exactly. Exactly. So my sort of thing for Schumacher is the fact that... Um, again, don't get me wrong. Obviously, as we've discussed throughout the entirety of this video, obviously very, very quick. Obviously, he has that absolute all-out desire to win. For me, it's just... 97 takes away a bit of it, mm. I'm afraid. That's fair enough. And yeah, that for me always is just should he um, obviously again as we've discussed sort of ninety four now uh, was a bit more sort of fifty fifty, but that could have very easily been six world titles. And again, had Senna not died, obviously if Damon Hill was able to drag it into yeah, a title Senna battle, <laughs> Senna would have probably yeah. wrapped up that title as well. But obviously again, you can say that for every driver. For me, it was just how often. Schumacher got himself in controversy as well yeah. through things like that. Obviously, Silverstone, which wasn't mentioned in the video, uh, in the oh, movie, the, uh, sorry to say, and got away with it somehow. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Some some of the politics that obviously again were a lot more down to Ferrari employees than Schumacher, but just sort of that whole culture uh, they did sort of bring up as well. For me, takes a little bit away from it, but and then obviously, like for example, O three was again a bit lucky. Yeah, it was <laughs> completely at times. <laughs> At times as well. Number two, then Jamie. You're good. I I want to asterisk my top two already because <laughs> okay. I'm going to say Schumacher at the minute. <laughs> right. Okay. But obviously, my number one's fairly obvious. It's at Max Verstappen. No, it's not. It's Lewis Hamilton. <laughs> but, <laughs> I'm really surprised you put Hamilton at number one. The thing with Hamilton, I I don't Genuinely. like to judge drivers until their career's over. As it stands... Generally, that's why I've got Hamilton still at number okay, two. Okay, fair enough. But as it stands, if Hamilton wins title number eight and then dispenses George Russell handedly next year, fair play, he's the best. If it's entirely possible yeah. in my mind, Verstappen wins this title, Russell comes in and rattles yeah. Hamilton a bit. Like, I don't think it will happen, yeah. but it could. If that does happen, then Schumacher will go back above for me. But... Yeah, fair enough. I, and I think yeah. this is the thing, isn't it, now... Hamilton is now quite possibly in the 18 months that will define him as either the greatest driver of all time or just in the conversation yeah. for it. I think if Hamilton, like you said, if Hamilton wins world title number Against 8, whether that be this year or next <laughs> yeah. and beats Russell in the process, there will be very little argument that he isn't the greatest of all time, I think, for any rational yeah. Formula 1 fan, isn't it? Um, Again, I think for Hamilton as well, he sort of combined... He almost, like, combines the best bits of Schumacher, Senna and yeah. Prost, doesn't he? That calculated approach that Prost always had, the absolute desire to win of starting from the bottom that Schumacher had, and... Just natural ability. Those qualifying laps. <laughs> yeah. Those natural ability and those qualifying laps and that wet weather ability that both Schumacher and Senna shared. Hamilton has been able to sort of captivate 
the best of these drivers that he's seen in the past and bring them all together and does a huge amount yeah. outside of Formula 1 as well that I know a lot of people are hating for but you, there is no way you can argue Hamilton doesn't try and make the world a better place. And he's place. literally bigger he than knows, the sport. He's like... He is bigger than the sport. He's such a massive you can figure. You can give us all this stuff about if Ferrari are bigger than Formula 1 or Formula 1 is Ferrari. I'd argue at this point Hamilton is... Hamilton is much bigger. Closer <laughs> Ferrari levels are bigger. Yeah. It's insane. Like when Hamilton it? leaves, people don't F1, know anything about Formula One, but they know. Certainly Hamilton. in the UK, once Hamilton leaves, F one in the UK will diminish a little bit, unless I'm, Russell takes the mantle straight away. I wouldn't say so. Actually, in the U, I wouldn't say in the UK. Maybe across the world. I think yeah. you're looking more at more like, for example, like the Caribbean islands, things like that. Places where young people have been able to look up yeah. to Hamilton as one of their own, if you will, and sort of seeing, you know, a black man can yeah, do this. I suppose, and that's been. In the same way we yeah. sort of saw with Tiger Woods in golf and things like He's that. He's defied the odds so much as Hamilton throughout his career. So, exactly. Yeah. And I think a lot of people, I think a lot of people forget as well. I think Hamilton knows that yeah, deep down. It's what's <laughs> driven him to get to this point. Yeah. He knows he's lucky to be where he is, and he never will forget that. And I like how. I mean, I used to not like Hamilton at all. I respect him completely now, and like how humble he's becoming. Yeah. He still complains a bit, but yeah. the. Yeah. But again, it's because his competitive yeah, yeah, broadcast a lot more than anyone else. Because it gets <laughs> the media will coast about it because it makes yeah. them money at the end but of the I day. But I really like how humble, especially twenty twenty, like he completely kept the spotlight on what was important in the world. So yes. fair play to him. And I think that's the thing, isn't it? He he is trying to drive positive change yeah. within Formula One. For me though, still for now, Senna still ranks as the greatest of all time. Fair. I can completely see why you agree with that. The, people will say he's only a three-time world champion. Arguably won... Well, he won th- all three world titles that he should have. Yeah, I mean... And got unlucky in 88. Out, 389, even, I should say. But... He took out Prost once at Suzuka. But he was probably going to win the world title anyway. Got a bit lucky because of the rules at the time with only your best certain results, I'll admit. Prost was more consistent that year and did actually score more points. But Senna played to the rules. Prost scored more points, yeah. (laughs) It was your best 12 of 16 results, I think. And Prost scored points in like 15, but Senna only scored points in like 13 of them, I want to say. But obviously he had more wins, yeah. But, so yeah, for me it was, obviously, for example, obviously Schumacher has 97, Hamilton has 2016. Of like the titles that got away. 2011 he lets himself down in as well. But that wasn't really a title year. That was just him being poor. I mean, title, yeah, titles that got away sort of more than anything else. Everyone has that rough yeah. year. Senna, again, was only in Formula 1 for 10 years. That's insane to me. <laughs> Obviously, he was a bit older as well. But when you think Schumacher, by the time he'd been in Formula 1 for 10 years, had only wrapped up three world titles on his way to his fourth. Yeah, that's true. Senna would have been in the same position. It's Hamilton highly was likely. also Hamilton, three on his way to four. That's crazy. Ha- Hamilton was... Four on no, three. To, no, came in yeah. no seven, didn't he? Not away. Yeah, so he would have been three on to four yeah. as well. So Senna was keeping up with them, and you therefore argue, obviously, Senna would have taken titles away from Schumacher, and he would have won ninety four. Senna could have. <laughs> yeah. Senna would have won ninety four, and should have won ninety eight. Obviously, depending on how things could have gone, yeah, should have won ninety eight, and could have possibly won a couple yeah. more because let's be fair, even when he died, he was still the hottest. And Damon Hill ninety six. Senna arguably could have had that as well would yeah. have been Senna's if he'd stayed at Williams yeah. isn't it but we both know Senna could have gone anywhere that had the fastest car he could have probably gone to Benetton for 95 if yeah, he wanted probably. but 
which you can is do it ridiculous. with a lot of drivers to be fair you can argue Sumac at almost 111 and stuff like that is stupid but <laughs> exactly yeah and that's obviously you you can say this that and the other can't you for yeah. all of them but there we go our top 10 and we've kept it pretty pretty <laughs> low key and I, I tried to put Max at the end of the day then. he's definitely the best driver without a title I don't <laughs> I think he's got the potential to be... He's already 17. It's crazy. He's 23, which is the age most drivers yeah. debut in the history. It, he's... For, for Verstappen, he's either going to go one or two ways for me. He's either going to be an Alonso, which is a how many more should he have won, <laughs> or he's going to be your Schumacher Rodi 2000s, yeah. just complete domination. It really depends on what car no ends up in, close. unfortunately. Once Hamilton's gone, yeah. If Red Bull can give him a car, or if he there is Mercedes, no way you might. for Stappen. Possibly, if Mercedes stick around for a mm. lot longer. We'll see. But, yeah, <laughs> we, we certainly will. There's, that'll be a podcast. That'll be episode 384 <laughs> of the podcast. Mercedes announced they're leaving yeah. Formula 1 in a few years' time. But, there we go then. The Schumacher movie to round out. Definitely worth a watch. Yeah, I think definitely. we can both agree. But if you're a diehard Formula 1 fan, which I'd imagine anyone watching this podcast is, you might left, be left feeling slightly disappointed. Yeah. By some aspects. But certainly the first, worth a watch. Like, at the 2000, it was very, very good, I thought. But then, leads a little yeah. bit of sour taste, I don't know. There was... Schumacher 2 needs to come out. <laughs> yeah. Schumacher 2, the Schumacher. <laughs> um, but... Yeah, obviously Russian Grand Prix this weekend, so we'll be back with a bit more of a normal podcast, obviously, next week out as well. Obviously, we already made our predictions for the Russian Grand Prix last week, but I think you said... Well, weirdly enough, you went Bottas Hamilton first of all, yes, didn't I you? Did. Until I reminded you there's no way they're going to let him win. So you went Bottas for Stappen, yeah. Hamilton, Engine was Penta, it? Hamilton for Stappen. Bottas wins. And I I went Hamilton, Bottas for Stappen. Yeah, boring. Because <laughs> obviously Verstappen's got his penalties, and Bottas is good at Russia. Yeah. But yeah, let us know obviously if you did enjoy sort of this slightly different style podcast. We've got so many sort of like obscure ideas for podcasts we want to do uh, down the line as well. Obviously, that we'll definitely uh, discuss more about that in the future. Of course, yeah, a lot to discuss obviously next week when we get back to sort of like the normal stuff. Maybe by then we'll have an Alfa Romeo announcement Bonjour. as well. I think it's looking highly likely, isn't it? We about Guan Zhou <laughs> as well. Well, one of us does. <laughs> one of us thinks he's basically going to be the new Lance Stroll, and I think it's ridiculous that people can complain about the uh, Mazepin and Latifi getting a seat. Obviously, Mazepin is deserved of a lot of his hate for everything else going on, but Guan Zhou is in their group of paid drivers. You're a mug. But, <laughs> no, I'm not. Anything else to add, Jamie, before we finish off that doesn't involve calling me no, a mug? No, I think it's everything. No. Thank you all so much for watching this video. Let us know if you've already watched the Schumacher movie down in the comments below what your thoughts and feelings on were on it as well. And yeah, we'll be back very, very soon with more F1 2021 conversations.